My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back to the second Sunday of Advent for the week of December 10th, 2023, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to get into this week's podcast, and I am excited that we are still in the season of Advent. I really do enjoy Advent. I like this season of preparation. I enjoy this aspect of preparing and thinking about that and contemplating things and trying to figure out what is going to get myself both physically and spiritually prepared for the recognition of what Christ did for me. And I think that is something in life we do a lot of and we don't necessarily recognize. For instance, where I'm at, we have had a very oddly dry early late fall, early winter season. I know technically it's not winter yet, but We don't have snow, and where I'm at, technically, most of the time, we definitely have snow by this time. And so there was a lot of prep work that went into preparing, and now that we just have small remnants but doesn't even cover the ground with snow, it's this anticipation now that we're in. And it feels a lot like Advent in a lot of ways to me, that we did all this preparation. Now we're just waiting for it to come. And it's a question of when is it going to come? And like many people, there are people who are excited about that idea and that there are others where it's like, I'd rather not have it happen. But for me, I think it's also so important ecologically for our environment to make sure that we have water into the ecosystem and such. And this kind of leads into the question I had for last week. How are you preparing for the season of Advent? And how are you preparing together with others for the season of Advent? And one of the responses we got back this week talked about how, especially like in the church around Christmas time when you have the Christmas program and all these different events, but even our social calendars fill up more and more and more with all these different events that come on. And I think there is this aspect of, yes, some of those are really important that really do help usher in and prepare us for the Christmas season and the Advent season of preparation. But there's also some that it's a lot of work and we maybe don't always get something out of it. And it's finding that balance, finding that we're not overwhelming ourselves with it, but also figuring out a way that we're doing enough to be able to fit that into our schedule and figuring out how we're going to prepare for Christmas. My wife and I just actually this last week had a conversation about this. Based on some different travel things with us, their question became, how much decorating should we do around the house since we're not going to be around a lot during the Advent Christmas season? And for me, I really do enjoy celebrating the full Christmas season all the way into January. I enjoy having this stuff up. I enjoy having the lights. I enjoy being this far north and how dark it gets. I enjoy having the light in the house as you come home. So for me, it was no question, but it was this debate, this question. And it's also figuring out then as an individual and as a couple, what works best for us to be able to prepare us for the Christmas season. And I think that's one of the things that this beautiful season that is difficult, but also so empowering is figuring out what is going to prepare us for this. And it's a weird thing to prepare for is this recognition of something that is so important to our faith, but yet it's hard sometimes to get our hands around. So let's just jump into it. The text for this week, the first reading out of Isaiah chapter 40, the first 11 verses. And again, this is coming at a time where you're getting these 
compare and contrast where Israel has definitely struggled. Israel has had times where they have gone astray. But it's this moment where the prophet is speaking and saying, okay, take care. Take comfort that God has heard your cries. God recognizes what you're going through. And the reason that this is here, you'll see, is it's referenced in the gospel, verses 3 and 4 here, starting in the middle of the verse. In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for God. Every valley shall be lifted up, every mountain and hill made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough place is a plain. This idea of how God hears this and is willing to move mountain and sea to get to his people, to care for his people, and will not just let them wither and die, but is this God of empowerment, this God of life that is going to breathe life into these area, and that he hears his people, he will not abandon his people, he will stay steadfast to his people. The psalm this week is Psalm 85, verses 1 and 2, and then 8 through 13. This then is recognizing, again, that the people have gone through a lot. The people need to be forgiven of sins. And it's this recognition that God will continue to speak to his people. God will continue to be that person who will help them, that gives them that steadfast love, that will not abandon them, that God will do good. God will continue to pursue these people. And we just have to continue to believe that along with continuing to strive to be better. But it's this idea, again, how God does not let us go. The second reading in the epistle text this week is out of 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 to 15a. And this is that recognition then of that we have this God who does fulfill promises. This God that isn't necessarily slow, but is extremely patient with us. It is this God who recognizes that Different things within our lives come and pass away, but yet God stays steadfast. God will continue to be there and God will continue to help in these difficult moments. God will continue to be there to try to help and guide us through those times. And living out that promise, recognizing that there is promises of what life will be like once we are returning to heaven, returning home, what's that look like? And that God is not going to leave us and let us go of that. That this is something that means that we still need to be patient, recognizing that we are then trying to mimic and understand the patience that God has with us, even as we frustrate God. But this recognition of also the forgiveness that God gives and recognizing us that God doesn't see us as broken. God sees us as his beloved people that is constantly being restored. The gospel text this week is out of Mark chapter 1, the first eight verses of it. This is the beginning of Mark's gospel. And as we talked about this being in the beginning of the new church year where we're going to be in Mark, we got to get used to this. And one of the things, remember, that we have with Mark is Mark is very straight to the point. Mark does not add a lot of additional commentary. Mark kind of is a straight hitter. And there is no birth story in Mark. So it's this is the beginning. We get that this is the good news of Jesus Christ. He quotes then in verses 2 and 3, the preparing the way of the Lord that we got in verse 3 is quoting verse 3 from the Isaiah text, the preparing the way of the Lord, and is also then stating that I am sending a messenger out ahead of you to prepare a way. 
And this is then where we get, it's John the baptizer. He's going to proclaim all these things ahead of time. He's going to be baptizing people of the whole Judean countryside in the River Jordan. And then we get a description of a prophet. And this would be a recognition of what a prophet looks like. Camel's hair with a leather belt around their waist, eating locusts and wild honey. Also, from a biological standpoint, camel's hair is an amazing properties of being able to let out heat, but also hold heat in when it's cold outside. Leather, we know that it's a very durable good. It's a great, durable thing. In eating then of the land, it would be one way of looking at this. But then also then coming from verse 7 and 8, one who is more powerful than I is coming after me, says John. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This foretelling of what is coming, again, the whole Advent season coming through, but also the idea of God preparing us, preparing a way for us ahead of time. So, before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we have to do a shameless plug. Boom! Working Preacher, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between the Sermon Brainwaves podcast, the commentaries, the discussions. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to help prepare me for these texts week after week after week. So if you haven't checked out workingpreacher.org, I'd highly recommend it. I'd also highly recommend checking out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt's Divinity Library. I really enjoy how they lay out the text week to week along with the liturgical colors, prayers, hymns. There's a lot of great resources there to help prepare you for the upcoming week and what that should look like. So if you haven't checked that out, I'd highly recommend it. It's a great resource to be looking at. Finally, I'd highly recommend checking out the Green Blades Preaching Roundtable and the Green Blades Rising Publications. This is a weekly or monthly newsletter, depending on which one you sign up for, with a wide range of ecological echoes, implications, and urgencies talked about, along with a lot of other great ideas. If you didn't catch it last week, I wrote four Green Blades for the week of December 3rd. I really enjoyed doing it. It's a great group. We've partnered together for a little while on this. If you haven't checked that out, links down below in the show notes. That'll be the first link down there. So what do we have here? So if the word last week was prepare, I would say obviously prepare gets thrown around a lot this week. But I think actually a better word is this, is the recognition of succession. And what I mean by that is succession being the forward movement of time, that something changes, that you're on the edge of change, that based off that change, things are going to be different, but you got to get through this period of awkwardness right now. And that sometimes is really difficult for us, especially when we look at spans of lifetimes here being maybe a hundred years. Whereas God has a much broader time horizon that God's looking at. And so it's much wider that God's looking at. And so I think it's this idea and contrasting of succession and time that is really important for us to be able to look at and consider. And I think one of the ways that we can look at that is just looking at ecological succession. So I'll attach some stuff down below and it's fairly simple to begin with. You have initially, especially think after a volcanic eruption, you have bare rock. There is nothing growing. There is just fresh rock. 
nothing there. And so you need, at the beginning, colonizer or pioneer species, such as moss or something to start growing to start trying to inhabit this area. Over time, that is going to slowly decompose through decomposers and the different grubs and insects that that's going to bring in to provide some level of topsoil. From that, then you're going to get the beginnings of your prairies and just grasses in general. Because now that you have soil, it allows for more different speciation to come in, along with more insects life to come in, because the habitat is now establishing itself more and more. As more and more nutrients come in, now you start seeing beginnings of plants coming in, shrubs, things of that nature. And depending on how that goes, then you can get where you're moving into a mature forest after that where you get these big high arcing trees that opens up the understory because they're shading the canopy so well. And thus it allows for at some point a wind or some type of natural catastrophe to come in and the cycle to some extent will repeat all over again. Maybe not starting all the way at bare rock, but something very close to that as the cycle repeats and repeats and repeats. In that it's the remembering also that nothing is permanent. There isn't something that stays as constant stage. There's a constant movement within those stages that something happens and as time happens, it evolves into a new section. It moves from a grassland into some shrubs and trees to an early forest. And as that happens, you get your perennial mature forest that comes in after and this is all taking time one of the things for me when my wife and i bought the house that we are in currently the lot at one point i am fairly confident was some type of like gravel pit probably 20 years ago and what that means is the soil is very sandy there is some trees that actually have grown up and it's in that early stage of forest, but there's still a lot of time that needs to happen in order for the soil to really be great soil unless you bring soil in. And one of the things that was so intriguing to me about this was the idea of being able to be in a place where I'm watching my aspen slowly over a period of my long time, hopefully, watching those aspens slowly get taken over by the pines that are growing up more and more in there as they turn it into something completely different than when we originally purchased the house. And I think when we look at pictures, we love looking at historical photos and being like, oh, that's this now. And we don't necessarily always realize how much has changed, but it's also so important for that change to happen. When I look at these texts, it's the reassurance that God is giving us that God recognizes change is about to happen. And whether you're ready for it or not, you need to be willing and able to change. This, as people, I think is something we really wrestle with a lot because we like things being consistent. We like things staying the same. We like knowing what to expect, what's coming up, or have the 
impression that we know what's going on, what's coming up. And that isn't how God designed this world to work. Whether we like it or not, that's not how it's designed. It's designed on this model of constantly changing, constantly moving, constant movement. It's us who get the impression that things are somewhat steady and that our change means that everything else freezes so that we can keep and hold things. It's one of the things, especially being in the culture that I grew up in. I am a white Caucasian male who has descendants who are immigrants to the United States. And with that, yes, there is this idea that I feel is kind of ingrained within the culture that I grew up in that you go and advance and move and continue to go further. But that also means we have to let go at times and recognize that means other people are still aging at the same time. I know for me, one of the things that I am going through is that my grandparents that I have left are getting older. And with that, there has been now early discussions of, is it time for them to move into an assisted living facility? And for me, my grandparents have lived in the same house my whole life. And so for me, there's a lot of memories. There's a lot of things that I hold on to that are there. And it's this recognition of even, yes, the house and everything might be changing here within the next year or couple years, but there's also a lot that has changed there. There are trees that are no longer there because they've died. There's whole sections that have changed. There's been additions even since my lifetime. And in that, it's not the same of what it used to be. But yet we see this place, this location as the same and something that we can always run back to that doesn't change. But yet it is. Things are changing. It's not the same way that my grandparents purchased that home many, many, many years ago. I've heard those stories and you can't even tell some of the things that they did back then because it doesn't look like it. It looks like this is the way that it's always been and it hasn't been. I can see why God has to continue to remind us as people that God is at work, that God is doing things, because we assume that things are consistent and aren't going to change. We like seeing that in what is going on around us, but yet, if we're honest, we know it's not true. We know that this is part of the preparation phase of Advent. Of yes, the recognition of Christ being born, but also the remembrance that at some point Christ is coming back. We don't know when, but we need to be prepared. We need to be ready. And there's going to be things that change as that's happening. Just as the world keeps changing now. But to hold fast, to know that God is still there. I think one of the examples that we have talked about multiple times before is I worked at St. Croix State Park many years ago. And the year before I got there, there was a major blowdown. And this state park was based upon the idea of a very mature forest. Very mature forest. In the probably mid to later stages of a mature forest. And this wind came in, and because of how mature it was, it couldn't take the wind. Plus, it was 
good straight line winds and took the tops off and totally disrupted whole areas. They had to log it out. But I distinctly remember talking to some of the leadership when I was working there at the time, and they said one of the advantages that this does is we can restore certain areas to what more natively it would have been. It had gotten some of these other invasive or non, not as native tree species in certain areas or things that would have been a little bit rarer to find in certain areas. And it's like we can kind of shape this a little bit more. We can make this come back better. And I remember, and I've even stated on this podcast before, the cool thing that I felt that was coming out of that is it's the reminder of how long it takes a forest to really get to the places that we think of it as a mature forest. We're talking potentially 30, 50 years where it starts to be a mature forest again. But we get to see that whole progress and changes as things are going on, along with the idea that we are able to restore things back to ways that we feel would be more efficient or be able to help the environment overall. And one of the things that we, again, often forget when we look at some type of natural catastrophe like that is that the animals will feel that or sense it typically before it happens, and they run and go away. But as we go through the succession, certain species will come in, other species will leave, as the environment allows. And it's the question of, are we going to be observant of that enough? John the baptizer is here in the early chapters of the Gospels. And by the time we get to like chapter 10 in all of them, John's long gone. John has been since killed. John is leading the way. John is preparing the way. John is preparing us to hear the message of what Jesus is about to say. Doesn't mean John is going to be here forever. John is not intended to be here forever. John is here to prepare and prepare us, lead into that next phase. Just as the grasses and perennials lead into giving more nutrients and substance to the substrates and the soils to be allow for trees and shrubs and all these different plants that are the next stage to come in. To allow for that growth to happen. To allow for new animals and species to come in. To allow for the potential of having the next phase of plants come in. This is part of the succession that we should be going through. And I think as a church, broader church, this is something I think we're really struggling with right now. To be blunt, at least here in the United States, we had our heyday of the 60s and 70s, and we have had declining attendance across whatever church denomination as a broad brushstroke of the United States for nearly 30 years. The question then becomes, are we allowing ourselves to have that next phase of succession? Are we clinging on to holding on to something that is slowly dying? Do we allow that to die, to allow the next phase to rejuvenate the ground so that something new and fresh can come in? And it's not going to look the exact same way. But I don't feel like that's what God is desiring because we see that in ecosystems. When something goes away, it doesn't come back the exact same way. But it does come back in a new way that is also beautiful and also much needed. 
And I think within our world as a concept and what we're wrestling with right now in so many different ways in whatever sphere you're in, these are things that we're wrestling with. We're wrestling with this idea of are we going to allow ourselves to succeed into the next phase of our lives, succeed into the next phase of how things look? Are we going to allow the potential of letting go for something new to come into our grasp that's maybe better? It's something that we learn as a child, but yet as we grow older and older, it seems that many times we struggle with letting go, letting that next thing come in. So the question I have for you this week is, How are you allowing yourself to continue to evolve and have succession for the future? How are you allowing yourself to evolve and have succession for the future? And I think we can look at that from both as an individual and as a community. Because I think this is something that is this constant thing that we're always working on. But Advent is such a great time for us to really reflect and think about it. I know if in my life there is a lot of things that I am trying to work through myself. As I look at and try to plan how am I going to tackle some of the things that I'm wanting to do in the next year for this podcast and outside. We'll talk about with this podcast later this year. But it's also meaning that there's going to be things that I have to let go of. There has to be things that I allow myself grace I have to allow myself to understand that there are moments to set things down and be okay with that. And I know, at least for me, that's extremely difficult at times. That sometimes means confronting things that we're not always the most secure about, that we're nervous about as an individual or as a community. But yet, that's part of what Advent is all about. That's part of what this preparing season is. If we are preparing ourselves for the remembrance of what Christ was as a gift to us, but also preparing us for when Christ does return again, we have to be ready to be able to set things down. We have to allow things to have succession, to evolve and change. And that, I know as me as an individual, is sometimes some of the hardest stuff to do. Is it hard to let go of the house that my grandparents have always been in and recognizing that that won't always be their house and that I might only get one or two more visits there? Yeah, but it also reminds me that I have to treasure the time that I have with them because I won't always have them with me. That just as I continue to age, so do they. And just because they're with me now doesn't mean they always will be. I think as a church, we have to be okay with setting some things down and letting some things go to letting new things come in and allowing us as a church community to find how is God speaking to us today. And that might be in new and different ways than what the church has done in the past. And it might mean that there's certain things that we hold on to as strong suits, but it's time to let them rest so that the ground can rejuvenate to regrow. I know for the place that I'm at, at some point, I'm going to have to let go to the place that my wife and I bought. But I'm excited to also see how much it changes and be able to have the privilege that I have taken care of this place for a period of time. And that God is now entrusting the next person to take care of this place when I am ready to move on to the next place. 
And I think that's where within our faith, within our lives, within our science, to allow that succession to happen, to allow us to be able to see progression and evolution and change and not be scared of it, to embrace it, even if it's difficult, because that's sometimes what we're called into doing. And that's part of being prepared for the recognition of the birth of Christ and being recognized in the coming again of Christ a second time. So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.